So are you saying that um, psychologists um, should actually in the future maybe turn into the experts of happiness instead of misery? The idea is stop looking for what is wrong and try to fix it. Look for what is right and teach the person how to use it effectively. Aloha, my beautiful friends. My name is Krista Ralaxmidetan, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. And I welcome you to our Abundance in Action podcast. And we here believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we start to open it up and put it into use, we can start to live our dreams on our terms. And today is a very, very special day because we have a very special guest um, who currently lives and resides mostly in Estonia. And his name is Yuri Pihonski. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. And um, before we dive in, I wanted to also give a little overview because you are, for me, when I was reading your CV, I was like, wow, like you have led like 10 lives in within one. <laughs> it's really um, very, very uh, rich. So you are a um, counseling psychologist, founder and director of SAGH International School of Analytical and Cognitive Hypnotherapy and Psychotherapy. You also have um, Conscious Me or Teatlik Mina School in Transpersonal Hypnotherapy, Hypnotherapy Psychology in Estonia. And as a founder and creator of THA, Transpersonal Hypnoanalysis, you are president of the Estonian Transpersonal Association. And you're also vice president of the European Transpersonal Psychology Association. And you hold academic um you hold academic degrees in history, philosophy, education, French literature, and a psychology PhD um, candidate, Christchurch University. And um, you also are conducting classes in Jiquan University, Chengdu, China, University of Tartu, Estonia, University of Vasco de Quiroga, Morelia, Mexico. And you also guest lecture in various medical colleges and business colleges around the world. You um, have been running regular courses in eight different countries and lectures in more than 70 countries worldwide. And you bring to the course 35 years of practice as a psychotherapist and nine years of study of hypnotherapy and NLP to advanced level. And you are also former teacher and actor, have um, eight years of academic education plus three years of training humanistic counseling and two years in family counseling. You have studied psychodrama in Berlin, art and dance therapy in Italy. And after international experience working with individuals and companies, you uh, also moved to UK to study to higher uh, academic quali qualifications. And as a psychotherapist, you use hypnotherapy as a tool to accelerate the therapeutic uh, processes by accessing the subconscious mind. And you have also studied in UK College of Hypnotherapy and Counseling, and you are a graduate of the Atkinson Ball College of Hypnotherapy and Hypnohealing. And his uh, qualifications and extensive studies have provided him a wide scope of various counseling and hypnotic techniques, which ensures a high success rate among um, your clients. 
And I also liked in several videos I went through, you have lots of material online. You say that you actually, you know, educator more than a therapist and you look at things differently and you ask uh, more like questions instead of uh, just looking for answers. And uh, since uh, 2019, you also started to study and do your PhD in Canterbury University. And um, your thesis is actually a really interesting question. What is it that people experience historically, emotionally and spiritually that lies beneath their development and experience of cancer? And you also aim to simplify human nature. And what was also very fascinating for me was to hear about that uh, over 40 years or so, you were in a really bad explosion and you spent uh, one year in hospital. You had 26 um, uh, operations. You were three months in clinically, basically dead situation. You went to the other side and then they said, no, Yuri, you are not done. Go back. You have some work to do. (laughs) So here you are uh, taking the world um, with, um, you know, uh, with such um, uh, powerful energy. Um, and the first question I have for you after you have traveled to 65 and more countries, how did you end up in Estonia? Okay. Um, now, regarding the near-death experience and coming back, okay, I'm still upset because I was rejected. Oh, I was not good enough for them, so they sent me back. Not nice. Yeah. Okay. But I'm working on it. Okay. Yeah. How, how did I end up in Estonia? Um, I was living in England at the time, and I decided to travel the world. So I would start to apply uh, giving proposals to different um, international conferences. And there was a conference in St. Petersburg, which was I, accept, I was accepted to give a presentation there. And when I'm in international conference, I'm usually going to talk to people, ask them when they are from, who are they, what they do. And uh, I was talking to this woman, asked him, where are you from? She said, I'm from Estonia. So I said to her, what is it? I never heard the word Estonia before. So she said, we are a small country across the border. Uh, so I said to her, listen, I have, I've, I'm on a mission. Before I die, I need to run a seminar in every single country in the world. Can you invite me, please? And she said, yes, but, you know, we don't have money. We've been just, um, uh, we've been under Soviet occupation. We are a poor country. I said to her, forget money. Okay, I'm on a mission. Whatever you have, just put it in my pocket and I'll be grateful. I came to Estonia. I was the first that entered Estonia with this kind of strange thing. I had 60 people on the first seminar, which is unheard of because, you know, in England I had groups of 12, 15, and this is it. I actually came to a country that was curious like a small child and wanted to learn more. When I saw the potential... I immediately said, I'm coming back in a few months. The money she put in my pocket did not cover even my flight ticket, but I said, I'm coming back. And I kept coming back every few months. 2004, Australia joined the European Union. 
suddenly the economical situation has changed. In 2005, I said, this is where I want to be. This is when I feel really needed. And apart from that, as I'm originally Polish, uh, I feel, I know some Australians don't like it, but I feel that Estonia for me is, is part of Eastern Europe. I can relate to the mentality more. So here I am since 2005. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that from all the transpersonal schools uh, across the world, okay, this country, which is 1.3 million population, I've got the largest transpersonal school in the world. People are just hungry. They want more. They want to develop. They're looking for something. Mm -hmm. see, right, now, right now you have like 250 students, right? Or somewhere there. No, currently I've got 120. Okay. But I think that already uh, students that qualified since 2005, I'm reaching 500. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. You see, Estonia, Estonia went through a spiritual crisis. It's a secular country. Uh, they've been uh, occupied on and off by many countries. And there's some kind of identity crisis of people looking for who I am, where I belong to. And some people are actually able to look spiritually much deeper inside themselves. Yeah, I so agree. I um, I have lived outside of Estonia now for many years, but every time I go, it's like the warmest place to talk about uh, spiritual yep. things or self-development. And while I was studying myself in Oslo University for anthropology, I actually started to think of doing some self-development courses and classes. And I threw out just the first one, like, okay, like, we'll see who will come. Like, maybe 10 people will come. Yeah. And 70 people signed up. And that was 2005. Yeah. <laughs> I was so surprised. Like, wow. So now, um, with all of these um, experiences, um, I really loved, as I was doing research about you, how you were actually defining, firstly, psychology and then transpersonal psychology can you uh, share with us here also how do you define those two things and um, why why are they important to the world right now okay so first let me say something about psychology okay uh, the meaning of the word psychology is the science of the mind okay but there is a problem what is the mind? Where is the mind? So what psychologists actually do, they do the science of something, they don't know where it is and what it is. Uh, for me personally, psychology is an art. Because instead of adapting the person into our narrow psychological models and labeling them and diagnosing them, we need to adapt ourselves to the individual needs of the person in front of us. And this is what's important. And transpersonal psychology is, transpersonal means beyond the ego. Uh, we are just one drop in one big ocean. And we need to look at ourselves not only as I am, but I am a part of something greater 
than I am. I'm part of the universe. So everything I think, I do, I behave is affecting my surroundings and my surroundings are affecting me. And it's a question of looking at the spirituality of the person. Of, and when I mean say spirituality, I mean not religion. I'm talking about something much more deeper than that. I'm looking into what I believe in, what is my mission and purpose in this life. Why I was put on this earth. When I wake up in the morning, get out of bed, what for? To go to a job, to earn money, to, to pay my bills, if this is what life is about. And the world is in crisis, as we all know. Uh, the different viruses just mutate themselves all the time. You know, tuberculosis, Ebola, AIDS, pigs flu, uh, bird flu, uh, corona, and then, you know, and every time we're trying to find a cure for the symptom, the symptom just starts to develop a stronger mutation. Because we're looking only for symptoms, we don't looking for causes. So as I like, okay, psychology is something we all do, put in a language that nobody understands. I want to simplify things. So I'm saying that we can, if we remove just the causes, if we just remove the symptoms without looking at the causes, we've done nothing. If you want to cut the weeds in the garden, we need to dig a hole and dig out the roots. Every gardener that does not have an academic degree knows this simple fact. And medicine and psychology are still removing symptoms and waiting for the symptoms to grow stronger somewhere else. You know, it just become ridiculous, this scientific narrow approach that is trying to squeeze us into small diagnostic boxes. So now, do you think that um, the uh, pandemic, what we have had now for so long here with Corona, actually has been uh, coming to us and basically wake us up because so many people were having such like zombie, uh, almost autopilot lives. And now when things are taken away, they have to like wake up like, oh, uh, maybe I should do something different and maybe I should reinvent myself. Uh, what do you think? Maybe it's like a God-given gift to us. Okay. You see, people say, when we're going to go back to normal, I say, my God, don't go back to normal. The back to normal is exactly what has caused it in the first place. Can we think about what do we need to change within ourselves and within our environment for it not to come back? So, yes, it's, it's a wake-up call, but I also think it's about the destruction of the immune system. Because you see, some people get exposed to a disease and get it, and some people get exposed to a disease and don't get it. The question is why? It all depends on the immune system. If we are stressed, run down, emotionally upset, emotionally unstable, 
our immune system will get low and then we get affected by whatever is around us. And life is not becoming easier, life becoming more and more stressful. People don't live longer. So what do you think would be the um, first things people could do to um, optimize their health and their life? What um, could be those like key factors, the foundation, what they could start to work with on themselves? I usually like to start from the present, move to the past, and then go to the future. Because the most important thing is to realize where I am now at this moment. Am I happy with what I do? Am I fulfilling my full potential? Am I really do what I want to do? What kind of world I want to leave behind us for the next generations? If, if you have children, how do you sleep at night? One day you're going to let them out of this big, bad, dangerous world. How do you sleep at night? So in a way, where it's all coming from? It's coming from... Okay, this I'll go to my psychological self. <coughs> it's coming, of course, from childhood. Okay? Uh, and it's not the fault of our parents. It's sometimes the fault of our uh, grandparents and grand-grandparents. It goes generations back. It gets worse every generation. And we're not going to stop it. It's going, we're going to co continue it for the next generations. So within us, okay, we have two ages. We have the bi biological age, which is a time measurement from the moment we were born here today. And then we have an emotional age. And to access the emotional age, it's very simple. And I want you to imagine a little child standing in front of you. And this little child is the little you. How old is this child? And the number that you give is the number that represents your emotional age. Is the number when actually your development was affected by some kind of... doesn't have to be trauma or abuse. It can be simple neglect. It can be simple not at being attentive to the needs of this little child. So we're looking for the causes for the roots, we actually talking, we are, I'm asking the adult self to have an imaginary dialogue with the child self and say to this child what we know, what you know that this child needs to hear because nobody knows it better than you. No psychologist, no psychiatrist and no medical doctor knows better than you what your inner child needs. I don't have the answer deep inside your, you have the answer. This is how actually empowering the person to look inside themselves and see they have all the answers. You see, okay, I'm work on some basic assumptions. And I'm, okay, I'm using the word assumption because I don't know what is the truth. If you want to know the truth, go to church or to university. They know the truth. I know nothing. And apart from that, theory is everything that is opposite of the truth. 
So I make assumptions because we don't know what is the mind and where this mind. I'm taking the liberty to make assumptions. My assumption is that all our so-called problems, physical or emotional, are illogical and irrational. What is logical about love? We all heard this story, don't worry, this song, don't worry, be happy. I know it logically. I'm supposed to. Love is illogical. All our problems are illogical and irrational. If they are illogical and irrational, they are created by our imagination. In order for me to help you, I need to use your imagination. And the best way to imagine things is to close your eyes and look inside. And this is where hypnosis comes into. And my next assumption is that all our so-called problems, physical and emotional, are just a normal reaction to the abnormal situation. What medicine and most medicine and psychology are doing, they're actually trying to fix the normal reaction, not even looking at the abnormal situation that we came from. Removing the symptoms and leaving the causes deep inside waiting for them to grow again. Even when with cancer, what we do, we cut the cancer out and we send the person to exact place, exact boring life, unfulfilled life, unhappy life, where the cancer have developed, waiting for secondary cancer to, come, to uh, develop somewhere else in the body. They spend billions to find a cure for cancer. Does anybody look what is called in the first place? How can you cure something without knowing uh, what's causing it? They just keep repressing symptoms with vaccination, with chemicals, with poison, or with nose, with water. So one of the first things are you are you suggesting is to dive deeper into like what brings you joy and what is your mission and passion. So once you tap into it, like is that one of the main keys you say for health and optimal? life or what you say you see when i ask a person i want you to imagine where would you like to be in your life 10 years from now some people say i don't know when you don't know that means you don't have a plan when you don't have a plan it's like you drive your car without holding the steering wheel this is why your car looks like an, this is why your, your life looks like an accident waiting to happen. But if I make a plan, I can change it. It's okay. The plan is not written in stone. I can change my plan. So when they say, I don't know, I've got another suggestion. And I want you to imagine that five years have passed, 10 years have passed, and nothing, absolutely nothing have changed. You still live in the same house. You're still in the same job, and maybe in the same relationship, and absolutely nothing has changed. If this doesn't cause you a panic attack, then we have a problem. You see, I'm a provocative person. I like to provoke. Mm. Empathy is very nice up to a point, but, you know, sometimes... So do you have some uh, tips or ideas how people can tap deeper into that joy or... How to find their mission? This is this is a difficult question because you're asking me for a recipe, but please let me do my best. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about... Uh, I've got a lot of artists coming to me. Musicians, 
uh, writers, uh, painters. They are producing art, but you know, those people have a lot of frustration. When you produce something, what is the message that you give to the world? You know, it's very nice to paint a picture on a bumpy standing by a lake, but what is the message? What is what are you trying to say when you write this book, this poem? What are you trying to say to humanity? What is the gift that you have to offer to others? We became so self-centered in our own capitalist way that we don't look any further, an another way. Because we have another symptom as normal people. We have the symptom, I'm not good enough. It's normal. Okay. I'm not good. You're not good enough. What are you going to do about it now? If you're not good enough, I want you to imagine that I'm a magician. And I tap three times on your head and give you all the brain power, all the abilities, everything that you need. The sky is the limit. Imagine what would you do with your life then? Imagine the unrealistic. Imagine the impossible. And then let's see how we get there. We lost our dreams. We are too scared to dream. You're supposed to be happy and grateful with what you have. No. What if I deserve more? Some people who have an unhappy life believe that they deserve, this is what they deserve. I don't deserve anything better. Where it's coming from? Whose, whose voice is it? Who told you that? My mother told me. You're supposed to work hard in your life to survive. Life is about working hard and surviving. And I will never forget my biggest trauma in life. It was my first day in school. I was six years old. This teacher came with the finger. And the first introductory sentence to education was, the studies are very difficult. A lot of children fail. If you don't work hard, you fail. This was, it's fear. They put fear into us. You're not supposed to enjoy what you do. Don't do what you want to do, do what you have to do. I loved in uh, one of the interviews, you actually said that, you know, if we want to start to really change on a bigger scale, we should start to really um, help and support um, already children in kindergartens. And yes. I've, I've actually mm -hmm. said it also many years myself because so many times when I work with my clients, I see the same thing like, oh, my God, like uh, what would it have been if, you know, that person would have got the support or, um, you know, whatever is needed uh, during that really important time of the life and um it's um it's it's i think the future it's moving towards that and as you say right now um as the socialization process i really loved how you said it that we are born as princesses and princes and then we're turned into frogs yeah and it's so true and the school system the old way universities like i myself have been to five years in like three different world-class universities 
none of them talked about, you know, how to take care of myself, how to eat healthy. There was none of that. And five years of my life, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know that the word happiness does not exist in the Dictionary of Psychology? Yeah, I heard you said that in one of your interviews. Yeah. So are you saying that um, psychologists um, should actually in the future maybe turn into the experts of happiness instead of misery? You said that they are experts of misery now, but maybe yeah. we can change it. And you are doing your part in that to turn it into ex expert of happiness. The idea is stop looking for what is wrong and try to fix it. Look for what is right and teach the person how to use it effectively. The most sick person that comes to ask for help, the part of them that brought them to seek help is the healthy part, not the sick part. And we need to focus on this healthy part. So what would be um, some of the like ideas how you could do that, focus on the healthy part, like how could you support yourself? One of the things that I teach in my school that is a very important, when a client comes to therapy, and a lot of therapists don't ask this question, is what do you want from me? What do you need? Why you came? And sometimes the answer is, I want to understand why I have depression. So if you understand, then what? They want to understand. So, so what do you need? We don't ask that. And it comes from childhood, you see. They put food in, in front of us. They did not ask us what we want to eat. Eat this, it's good for you. And when my parents were cold, I had to wear extra sweaters. All my life I was told what is good for me, what I should eat, what should I wear, how should I behave, what I should study in school. And if something went wrong, I went to a psychologist, psychiatrist was trying to fix me back into society, to fit me into society, to fit me into what? So it's uh, not only that uh, psychologists or psychiatrists should learn how to ask different questions, but also every person, like what are those more core questions or, you know, how to figure out new ways of um, perceiving life as such. Even in education, what would you like to learn? How would you like to learn it? What kind of teachers you would like to have? We don't ask that. Yeah, there are no choices right now, much, no much like that way. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I was standing in this uh, gymnasium in, in, in Tallinn, okay, and I was asking one young person, what are you going to do after you finish school? I'll go to university. I said, okay, great. What are you going to study? Computer sciences. I said, why? because there's money in it. So I said to him, okay, I want you to imagine that somebody will give you 10 million euros and the condition is that you, you continue studies, you don't do anything, nothing with it. 
you just study, but you've got 10, uh, 10 million euros. What would, would you do? He said, I will study art and drama. So you see, young people today, male young boys, when I ask them, what would you like to do when you grow up? I want to have my own business. I'm asking a young woman, what would you like to do when you grow up? I want to have family. I want to have children and be happy. So see, the one who wants to have a business marries the one who wants to have a family and children. And then we ask him, why it does not work? And then this woman comes to therapy and said, I've got a problem with my husband. I said, what's the problem? Um, he doesn't spend enough time with the family and does not bring enough money. How you want him to bring more money and spend enough time with the family, you know? We have to make some choices here. It's just... I'm worried about the state of the world, and I don't think things get better. I think things get worse. And I'm, and I'm worried, and I'm angry, and I'm proud of my anger, because for me, anger is passion, anger is love, and anger is care. Anger is not violence and aggression. So with the relationships, um, you have such a rich life behind you you have also personal experiences also with cooperation uh, experiences um, what would you say make your relationships like fulfilling and meaningful for you it's to find something that we can do together that we have something in common not we wake up in the morning, each one of us go to their separate place of work. We're coming back home. And then we've got nothing to talk about. What can we do together? You know, interesting question I sometimes ask my clients. Very simple one. What do you do for fun? We have to see the horror look that they have on their face. Fun? Watch that. And what do you do together as a couple? What do you do together? It's very, you know, it's very sad. People you lost their togetherness. They lost, they, they lost the partnership. They're just sitting there to survive, to earn money, to raise children, because socially we're supposed to have children, and things are getting worse from one generation to the other. The emotional intelligence is actually getting lower and lower. Don't feel, think, think, be logical, think reasonably, be realistic. So do you think um, we have quite a lot we can do each person as an individual if we choose like more fun and more of that, what you say, like togetherness, can we influence the whole or it's like a lost case, there is not much to do? You know, it's like throwing a pebble into a, a, into a pond. The moment that I'm changing something within myself, it, the change, it change immediately affects the environment. So many people come to therapy and ask me for advice. How do I change my husband? How do I change my children? And how do I change the others and my parents? 
It's always give me a recipe how to have a good child, a loving husband. What shall I do with him? What are you doing for yourself? So, do you think that if um, you will manage to have maybe more of your transpersonal psychology students go out to the world, it will have a little more positive impact and have more happiness experts out there uh, working towards the shift? Okay, so let me tell you about my first seminar in Estonia. What okay. was it about? What was the topic? I don't even remember. Okay, but what I okay, I don't like to give lectures. I'm I'm interactive with people. I can talk for five ten minutes, and and if I don't get some feedback, verbal or non-verbal. I just dry out. So I had my Estonian audience in front of me, and I start talking and talking and talking, and they just sit there with stone faces. Nothing moves. After ten minutes, I'm saying, "Oh my God, you know what's happening here?" So I ask one lady, "What's your opinion about what I said?" I don't want to say anything. I said, "Okay, what's happened? You don't understand. Explain to me so I understand." Estonia is a small place. Everybody knows everybody. You have to be careful with what you say. I said, listen, the Soviets have gone. They're not going to send you to Siberia. It took me like a couple of years until people start to hug each other in seminars. Hugging was unheard of. You know, according to the ethics of psychology, you're not supposed to hug your clients. You're not supposed to talk about yourself to your clients, and you're not supposed even uh, to smile at them. It's unethical. But you're supposed to help your clients to open up. How, when you sit there with a stone clinical cold face, how do you want them to open up? How we create? A therapeutic relationship. How we create a contact, a communication. You're not supposed to talk about yourself with a client. Why not? My message is to each person that I meet: I'm no better than you. I've got the same problem. I'm no better than you. Now let's see what we can do with it. You see, people come to therapy like a parent to it. Like a child to a parent, looking up and say, "Solve my problem." Let's do it together. Let's cooperate. Thank you so much, Yuri, for this beautiful time and sharing all the knowledge and all the treasures with us. Uh, such an abundant time. And um, you also are going to record a special video for our guests. So. Yeah will be a little surprise what this is. So once it's done, we'll make a special page yep. so people can load it up and then um, enjoy it. And um, so if people would like to, if they are, they probably have to live in Estonia, I guess, if they want to be part of your school or do you have online school too, like people can be part of? Uh, okay, at the moment I've got a school in Romania in Moldova and in Armenia, but I do I do courses online too. Mm -hmm. 
So, so what's what's the best way to find info about your courses? Is there one page where it's all collected or? Okay, I like the personal contact. Okay, find me on Facebook. Write to me. Mm -hmm. And then you can give them yeah, information. So, yeah. Okay. So we put your uh, details uh, below this podcast in the notes so they can find it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, I wish you all the best with the beautiful targets and goals you have. And I think this information as happiness expert is very needed in the world. So thank you for what you thank do you. and yeah. who you are. Thank you for watching this episode with Yuri. And um, it was such an exciting um, conversation that we have also another episode uh, coming up. So uh, don't you hesitate, uh, wait another week and the second part will also come up so you can enjoy it uh, then as well. Thank you so much and see you soon.